You are listening to the Retirement Remix Podcast with award-winning financial advisor, host, author, and founder of a thriving financial planning company, Chip Munn. Here you'll get a regular dose of real-life retirement stories and inspiration from incredible, unique people just like you. Each episode features interviews with entrepreneurs, local business owners, CEOs, world travelers, and community leaders. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. Welcome back to the Retirement Remix. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Jay Laverance. Jay is the Director of Membership Relations at the Greater Florence Chamber of Commerce, and Jay came into that job after a tenure with uh, ABB. He was the Senior Vice President for Medium Voltage Service in Canada, U.S., and Mexico. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chip. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So, Jay, for the benefit of our listeners, you and I have known each other for a long time. How about uh, give us a little intro as to kind of where you were prior to your role at the Chamber and, uh, and how you got here? Sure. I have a very long career in the electrical services business. I started out as a field service engineer, worked my way up through supervision and management, various jobs throughout my career at different companies. Started with Westinghouse. Uh, Westinghouse was bought by Siemens. I worked for Siemens for a few years, went to another company called Aussie Robocon, which did drives. Aussie Robocon was bought by Siemens, so I worked for Siemens twice in my career. Was in charge at that point with uh, Siemens and their global perspective for all of their medium vo- or medium voltage drives service. So I had basically Brazil, England, U.S., Canada under that operation with Siemens. Decided that I wanted to try to find something in the southern hemisphere to get out of the uh, northern hemisphere cold. So I worked with a uh, headhunter and came to be the plant manager at ABB down here to start. But that evolved into me eventually becoming the senior vice president for North America for Media Voltage Services. Was there about six years, was getting close to retirement age, got the opportunity to move on and out of that job, sat back a little bit and kind of decided what I want to do with my life. I realized that uh, I didn't want to be in the big old rat race of flying everywhere. I was typically out of the... Uh, office about 90% of the time. I usually was gone Monday through Thursday and Friday was my catch-up day. And that meant that I had to catch up with the people in the facility. I had to catch up with all the calls that I missed. And I had to catch up with you know all of North America plus Europe because I had a dual reporting system where I reported into US and I also reported to Europe. So that gets old after a while. I had done that when I came down here, that wasn't the job that I had anticipated. And I decided that it might be time to get out of the rat race, sit back. I was old enough to kind of semi-retire, you know, did well with my finances and was able to prepare myself for retirement. The opportunity here at the chamber came up. As it came up, I, I mulled it over and thought about it. And it wasn't a job that I wanted to do 40 hours a week. And fortunately for me, my boss, we talked through that. And I worked probably between 25 to 30 hours a week. I deal mostly with membership relations. That is anything that has to deal with members. I'm also responsible for our Kick and Chicken Festival, which we just had here in October. So I've enjoyed kind of getting out of the, getting on a plane every day, pressures of big business, which as probably most people know, can be good and it can be bad. I mean, from a pay perspective, it's very good. But from a, from a pressure perspective or a tension or a stress perspective, it can wear on you. So I, I took this job, 
I get to stay within the community. I get to, when I went to ABB, they weren't known here. And I got involved in the community and different things um, as far as boards, as far as, uh, you know, going and volunteering, have my employees volunteer, whether it's a charitable organization or whether it was uh, Foreign Starlington Board, First Reliance Bank, any of those kinds of things that I did. I did that because I, I wanted people to know that ABB was here. It had been here about 37 years at that point. And I would say I worked at ABB and people would say to me, where's ABB? So that's kind of how I got involved. This opportunity came about. I uh, wasn't really looking for the job when it came to me. I was basically in the semi-retirement mode, just kind of playing golf and cutting grass, so to speak, and uh, enjoying my life. And this came about and I decided that uh, I wanted to jump back in a little bit, but not as deep as I was before. That's, so that's great. That's kind of well, how, how it started. Okay. If if we could rewind, one of the things that you said that, that I found interesting was you reached a point in your career prior to, you know, the last few years, uh, you reached a point in, the, in your career where you didn't want to live in the cold anymore. And you made a decision to to make a change. What, what weighed into that and how big a struggle was it for you to make that jump? Because for a lot of people, Jay, I find that they are uncomfortable with, well, first they're uncomfortable with change, but particularly when it comes to really wanting what they want and saying, you know, this isn't the ideal situation. I want to work with, in, in your case, a, a headhunter to fi- try to find something that would really suit my life better. H- how do you make that jump? Well, it is a big decision. I still have my, my children still live in the Pittsburgh area, which is in, I call the Northern Hemisphere. And I had a home there. So, uh, and I have grandkids up there. But at the end of the day, I realized that, you know, whether it was when I fully retired or whether it was prior to my full retirement, I certainly didn't want to spend my winter shoveling snow. And that was a big deal. And I had lived most of my life there. I had uh, moved around a bit. I lived in Detroit for a while. I lived in Chicago for a while. And I lived in Pittsburgh. So I was always in the snow belt, so to speak. That was one of the considerations. When I first came to Florence, it was a lot different than what it is today. Florence is growing. But the climate was good. The cost of living here is excellent. The people were very friendly. I was embraced by the people here, both on the business side of it and on my personal side. So I met a lot of good people. I made a lot of good friends. That kind of softens the blow of what you leave behind. I do miss my kids. I do miss my grandkids. But I, my wife and I go up there and visit them on a frequent basis. And, uh, you know, we try to balance the, the two things that we have going on, our jobs and our family. So that was probably the biggest aspect that caused me concern was my children. Uh, although my children were grown, they had their own families, they had their own houses, they were they were doing their own thing, you know, I had put them through college, had married them both off, so they were ready and willing to to move on, but you know, just having me there kind of as the patriarch, my daughter had the hardest time of the of the two, I have a daughter and a son, and my daughter had the hardest time of the two. She was a little bit uh, upset about it, but we've worked through it. They come down on vacation here now, so that's kind of fun. We're very close to the beach. They love that. You know, or if they're going to Florida, it's a stopping point for them if they're going to Disney or something like that. So I get to see them quite often. And, and, and it's a tough balance. It is a tough balance. I have most of my siblings and my, and my father before he passed lived in Pittsburgh. So it's tough. The toughest part of that is, is the family portion of it. But then again, you know, the, the move and the, kind of the thrill seeking of the move and it's new and it's, it's a, it's a change of environment. It's a change of climate. It's a change of location. I'm a guy that likes to build things. So 
to me, that's the easiest thing to do is go and to a facility and build something and, and make it work. So uh, that was my opportunity. And that's what I that's why I took it. That's great. I, I hear that a lot, that sometimes the desire to change location, the, the biggest kind of issue, if you will, is navigating with family. So I definitely can understand that. It seems to me like, though, Jay, with your kind of new job, you're able to spend, I think you said you work 25, 30 hours a week. I would imagine that gives you a little more flexibility in terms of being able to, whether it's go visit or take time off when they come. Yeah, it does. I mean, like I said, I work about three and a half days a week. So, you know, Thursday afternoon, I am uh, free and clear to go and do what I want. So I, my wife and I will pack up on a Thursday, drive up or fly up to Pittsburgh, see the kids, spend the weekend, come back on a Sunday. It's kind of a long weekend. My wife also works, but she has the ability to be mobile with her job. So that's an advantage. And, and we get up there and we spend some time with, it's not so much my children anymore because they're grown. It's the grandkids. So we get, we get an opportunity to do that. We could do quite a bit going to visit. We also, her parents live in the Outer Banks. Her son lives in Richmond. So we get a chance to go up and see her children and her parents. So we do have that flexibility. She has a kind of flexible job where she can be mobile and I have a flexible job where I have the time off. What would you say, Jay, is the biggest advantage to that? You mentioned, and we hadn't talked about this uh, recently, you mentioned your wife having a flexible job. I mean, when when you think about kind of your situation now or other people who are in a similar situation, what would you say is the biggest benefit to being able, whether it's in your case to work a reduced schedule or your wife's case, the ability to kind of have some flexibility as to where uh, she works. What would you say are the biggest benefits to that? Well, I think the biggest benefit to that is the ability to go visit relatives, go visit people, the ability to have a flexibility in your schedule that says, okay, I am not tied to this job 60 hours a week. I know that I'm not going to be out of town for the next two weeks. Uh, I'll be in town um, if we decide to go and leave on a Thursday, like I said, or even if we leave on a Wednesday evening and I take a Thursday half day off, we have she has the flexibility because of the technology with the computers and so forth. And so do I. I mean, even when I'm not here, if I get an email, I still answer it. I'm, I'm old school, unfortunately. I came up through the corporate world and, you know, you answered emails on the weekends, you answered emails during the week, you answered emails at 10 o'clock at night, you answered emails when you were in Europe at uh, oh dark 30, uh, two o'clock in the morning when the U.S. was uh, sending you emails. So we have that flexibility because we're both kind of mobile in our in our jobs, and and I can handle my job from a mobile perspective, and so can she. So it gives the flexibility to kind of have a little bit more of our free time being free, and the opportunity for us to kind of do a little bit more. Like I said, I had a discussion with my son, and he said, "Dad, I remember you working all the time. That's all I remember about you." And I'm like. Well, that might be true, but I, I think the reason for that was to raise you. And he said, I understand that. He said, but generationally, they're different than I was. We we worked and we worked hard and we put in the hours and we were allegiant to our employers and they were allegiant to us. Uh, you know, the, the atmosphere is a little bit different today. And, you know, you kind of learn from that. And as you get older, you realize, you know, I did work hard. I did spend a lot of hours away. I did not always, I was not always able to be there for my children. And, you know, I have the opportunity now to spend some time with my grandkids and, and my children. And I think, you know, that's important to me. I think it's important to anybody as they get older, having the opportunity to kind of free up their time and spend more time with family and friends. Would you do anything different 
Jay? You know, I thought about that. I mean, when my son asked me that or said that to me the other day, I, I said, you know, I looked at my career and I don't really think I would. I really don't think that sometimes, I mean, certain aspects, sure, you, you would want to change. I mean, certain aspects of everybody's life, they would want to change some, some things. But for the most part, I think, you know, there's a plan. God has a plan for you. And that was the plan. And, you know, you kind of followed it. I was fortunate enough to be in good positions most of my career. And I enjoyed, for the most part, I enjoyed all the jobs that I had. But as you get older, um, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, we'd go to the airport. That was a big treat for us uh, just to go to the airport and see the planes take off. And I'd see these guys with their briefcases and their three-piece suits and said, you know, one day I want to be that. And then the one day I did become that, I looked at myself and said, do I really want to do this forever? And that was the point in time when I said, it might be time for me to get out of the rat race. So I don't see any reason that I would uh, go back and change the majority of the aspects of my life. Uh, certain small things, absolutely. But for the most part, I think I was very fortunate. I think that one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking with people about is the idea that both work and, and life and, and that synergy maybe or, or between the two is it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. I, I think that you mentioned you got up near retirement age. When you think back on it, what did you use as a barometer for what the normal retirement age looked like? I can tell you that normal retirement age today is different. You know, from my perspective, I was getting to be around, uh, I guess, in my 60s, early 60s. And uh, I looked at, you know, the opportunity of could I afford it? That's that's the number one thing. I think, you know, unfortunately, not everybody can afford to retire in their 60s. My dad, who was very fortunate, retired when he was 60. And I kind of, you know, I kind of emulated and was a little bit jealous of that. But uh, I was also able to retire to, you know, from the corporate world at a at a uh, an earlier or earlier age, um, I've been out of the corporate world for about three years now, so uh, I'm 66 at this point. And um, you have to look at what do you want out of life. I guess that's the biggest thing. Sometimes it comes down to how much money do you absolutely have to have to live. And I'll tell you, I mean, since I retired, I've cut back on a lot of expenses. I mean, that's just normal. You can't live the same life you were living when you were making X amount of dollars because your X is now not as, it's about half X or one third X or whatever it is. So you really have to change your lifestyle, but it hasn't, you know, I still go out. I still have go to dinners. I still do things that I like to do. It's just that maybe not every night. Maybe it's like once a week or maybe we would take maybe two vacations a year. Maybe we take one vacation a year. Or we, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to do in retirement or semi-retirement to look at your expenditures. You cannot spend based on a salary that you're making when you were fully employed and doing the things that you were doing. So I think that's the biggest change you have to make in life. But I believe that, you know, the life balance is, is important. I know that I enjoy the opportunity now to sit with friends and family and just have a discussion, you know, over dinner or over drinks or whatever. When you're in that corporate world, you're always thinking about, okay, what do I got to do tomorrow? And I can tell you the best thing that happened to me when I got out of the corporate world is I realized on Monday morning, I wasn't going to have to go in and answer 130 emails. That perspective of life, that's a big aha for people. They realize, yeah, I've worked hard. I've done what I've been expected to do. But at the end of the day, now I can kind of Kick back a little bit, 
relax a little bit, enjoy life a lot more. Well, and part of your enjoying your life now is, you know, spending time up at the chamber. So when you, you mentioned that you really weren't looking, but it, it kind of came along, what did you find attractive? Had you thought that you were going to, you, you said, uh, cut grass and play golf. Had you expected <laughs> that that was going to be all you were going to do? Or when you left kind of, as you call it, kind of that corporate life, had you thought that you were going to maybe do something different and this was just something that kind of fit the bill? Well, actually, I I was involved in a bunch of charitable uh, organizations, and I figured, you know, I could do some charity things and, you know, just volunteer and, and help out, um, which, of course, I do, and I, I did, and I still do. I, I really like that. I like to get, give back to you know, people that are not as fortunate as I was. But I think that the answer to that question is probably twofold. It was an opportunity for me to stay involved in this community. This community gave me a lot of um, friendship and a lot of opportunity, so I wanted to stay involved in the community. I also saw an opportunity to help this organization grow. We have grown uh, exponentially since I've gotten here, in in spite of me or, or you know, despite me or because I did something, but uh, basically we have grown, and I see that growth, and I get, to, I get to meet new people, and I'm a people person, so... That's the biggest advantage. I get to meet the new businesses in town. I get to meet different people. I see them on the street. You know, they say, hi, glad to see you. Sometimes when you're the boss in a corporation, sometimes your employees don't really want to see you because they figure it's bad news. But in this business, it's, it's more, it's fun. It's fun when, you know, it's, that's one of the things that you always have to have when you, when you take an opportunity like this is, will it be fun for you? And if it's not fun, then don't do it. But it's a fun opportunity. I get to meet a lot more people. I get to stay involved in the community. I get to help in some respects with some of the community affairs and some of the community events that are going on. So to me, that's that's kind of what I like to do. I've always been a people person, so I, I get to be involved with people and be involved to helping the chamber formulate you know, where they're going to be in the next five or six years. One of the things, Jay, that I have heard companies talk about is the benefit of being able to bring on somebody like yourself who has some wisdom to to bring along and mentor other folks, so other business people that may come along behind them. Have you had any experience with that in your organization there? Here at the Chamber, sure. I've had, it's it's funny, you know, because we have a lot of small businesses here that are in the kind of startup mode. And from time to time, because of my business experience, and when they find out my business experience, they will come in and start asking me questions like, how do I do this? What should I do here? I've had a lot of clients that have come to me, kind of let me help them by mentoring them as to what they should do and how they should run their business. You know, some of the things they're going to have to do financially, some of the things they're going to have to do employee-wise and so forth. That has been a great Ego booster, I guess you will, for me, because it still gives me the opportunity to do when I, what I did when I was a, a manager in a corporation, that is to mentor and coach. As well, you know, we have some newer employees here at the Chamber. I bring a different kind of perspective. I bring a business perspective to the Chamber. Not that the Chamber didn't have a business perspective, but I just bring a business perspective to the Chamber that's a little bit different than then the norm. Um, a lot of the people come out of more community affairs positions, um, you know, financials and so forth are not probably as important to them as it should be. How to approach sales, how to sell, how to keep clients, how to satisfy people. That's kind of what I bring to the party. And I help 
a little bit, I think, with some of the newer uh, chamber employees that are here and in that perspective. And they get, they get a different perspective. I mean, I'm a very organized person. They know that my calendar will be up to date. Meetings will be scheduled. We'll have an agenda. You know, those are the business things that I bring. Sometimes I think it scares people, but it, but at the end, I think they respect that because they they know what to expect when they walk in a meeting. They're not just going in there wondering what we're going to talk about. If I'm handling the meeting, it's going to have a schedule. It's going to have an agenda. It's going to have topics to cover. All of those things that are more business related sometimes don't get transcended into more community organization. I think that in your case and in a lot of them, one of the things that it's just crucial that we pass on is wisdom. You know, we, we have a lot of folks these days who are incredibly talented and, and just smart individuals, young folks coming out of school. But, you know, folks like yourself with 30 years of experience in business, there's a lot of wisdom to be passed on. And I, I think it's awesome, you know, for folks like you to to stay around and to kind of what I'll call kind of stage retirement and do it in a, a new and different way so that you're around and available to be able to help folks. I, I know that they're better for it. Jay, if you think about kind of your transition so that from ABB to the, you know, cutting grass and playing golf to now at, at the chamber, is there anything that you would do differently? Hmm. Would I do anything differently? I think you have to transition through those stages to figure out what you want to do. I have a friend who recently lost his job, and he's he's a little bit too young to retire. He can retire. I mean, financially, he can retire. He and I had a long discussion over a few beers. We'll say that. We can say that on this podcast, right? Of course. But we sat down, we talked, and I said, what do you want to do? He said, I don't want to do what I did before. I said, okay, that's not the answer, though. What do you want to do? And I said, and whatever you do, make sure you enjoy it. Don't go take a job just because of the pay. Go take a job that you're going to enjoy, that you're going to have to be in for the next six to seven years because you're not old enough to retire. And I also told him, and don't expect to get paid what you got paid before. That's probably the biggest thing that people get caught up in. Well, you know, I made X amount of dollars before. Now I'm not making X amount of dollars. But are you happier? Are you happier with your life? Are you happier with your position? Do you enjoy what you're doing? And if you enjoy what you're doing, Sometimes that's more important than the than the greenbacks you're going to get in your bank account. You know, that's the kind of discussion that I had with him. That's the kind of stuff. I mean, I've mentored a lot of people in my career. I've mentored people here at the chamber. I've had some people that I, you know, I, I'm in a couple of different organizations, and I have a lot of young guys that come to me, and we talk about things. It's fun. For me, it's fun because, you know, you just kind of query them about, okay, well, what do you think? And it's it's an interesting thing, Chip. People actually have the answer. They just not that they need the verification of the answer. They just need to hear it out loud by their own voice. You know, when I was a manager, people would bring, bring problems to me. And I say, okay, what's your, what's your solution? Because you can't come to my office with a, with a problem if you don't have a solution. And they would say, well, I think we should do this. And I say, okay, then let's do that. Let's see how that works. Now, now sometimes you have to, you know, kind of guide them a little bit to say, well, maybe if we did this and this, that would work. People are smart. People are real smart, especially the younger generation. They're really smart. They're way smarter than I am. But you're right. They don't have the wisdom of being in a work environment. They don't have the wisdom of interacting with people. Uh, you know, I, I see too much of the kind of the, we all get into it, the cell phone texting and, you know, but that interaction, that personal relationship, that ability to talk to people, that ability to guide people as you get older, you have to learn that. That's not something that you, you know, are born with. You don't come out of the womb and, 
all of a sudden you're a manager, all of a sudden you're a mentor or a coach. You, you have to develop that. And I think that I've been fortunate, especially here in town and through my career everywhere. Uh, actually, the guy that uh, I mentored at ABB, he's now in charge out there. So, you know, you like to see the people that you're mentoring and coaching succeed, at, you know, at the jobs that they're doing or, or succeed enough to take your job. Unfortunately, I've never been able to work for somebody that I've coached or mentored because I've always moved on to a higher level job, but uh, he's doing really well out there. So I like young people. I like to work with young people. I like to have discussions. I like to get their philosophies and their ideas. I like to kind of throw some barbs at them once in a while just to kind of make them think a little bit because, you know, you can go through life and say, hey, this is the way life is. But life is uh, like a, I always used to tell my daughter, it's like a winding road. It's not a straight lane going down the highway at 70 miles an hour. There's a lot of winds in the road and there's a lot of ditches. So you got to be careful of those. And that's what builds character. That's what builds people. And that's what builds the opportunity for people to have a good career and enjoy what they're doing. Amen. I want to press down on something for a minute that you said that I think is important for our audience to hear because I say it a lot and and I think that you nailed it in, in talking with your friend. It's when he said, I don't want to do what I did before. I hear that all the time. And, and one of the things that is, it's just a mental construct that we kind of keep ourselves in is the idea that the only job we could have is in the field that we're already in. And I think you're a good example, Jay. You didn't go out and just take a different job consulting in the medium voltage services industry. You took something completely different. And I think that for people who are considering some sort of transition to do exactly what you said, which is, what do you really like to do? I have a client who uh, does woodworking. That was Mm a, you know, and, and instead of worrying about what they used to make, because frankly, that's irrelevant. At some point, there's a number if you're going in, in that gradual transition, you're, you're sloping down versus a kind of a cold turkey stop. There, there's a number that just keeps you from taking money out of your accounts. It, you're not necessarily having to put in. You're just not taking out anymore. And, and figuring out a way that you can do things that you enjoy doing to get to that number is, is such a valuable just thinking exercise just to, to get out of the mindset that we have to do what we've always done. Yeah, it's a, it's a big transition. And I transitioned more in my career than, than even I said in my little bio there because I came out of the steel industry. I went into the electrical industry. I stayed in that. I went to drives. Drives are different than, than the electrical industry. I got back into the electrical industry. But I always, I used to tell people, I have the knowledge. I can run any business there is out there. All I need to know is the terminology and you learn the terminology. You don't have to be an engineer to run a business. You don't have to be the most technical person in the world to run a business. You have those people in your organization that can talk to that technical level, but you need to know the terminology. You need to know how to drive people to where they need to be. And you need to be comfortable in doing that and, and feeling comfortable that you're doing the right thing. And, you know, I've always, always said that in most of my jobs, I was happy with what I was doing. I enjoyed what I was doing. But again, as you get older, as you get older, you got to think about, okay, what makes me happy? What do I like to do? And what do I need to do to make a living? And it it doesn't have to be, like you said, $200,000. Okay, you're not going to make $200,000. You're not going to make $300,000. But, you know, if you make enough to take care of your expenses, afford your, your style of living, 
probably a little less than you afforded before, a little, you know, you have to cut back on some things. I think you can do it. I, I don't, I don't see anybody that can't do it. My dad made a whole heck of a lot less money than I ever did. And he survived when he retired and he retired at 60 and he just said, I'm done. I got to get out. And when he got out, he got out and he did well. He lived till he was 85 years old on his retirement. So it can be done. It can be done. It can be. And I, I think you just have to, to think outside the box. You know, we, we had a guest who talked about taking a sabbatical, spending time on a boat for six months, kind of what I would call kind of a trial retirement. And, mm-hmm. and he could live for, I don't know, 2000 hours a month, which was substantially less than his kind of uh, on land expenses. And I just think that there are a lot of ways that you can get there. And I have one client, we were talking about his kind of bridge into an eventual kind of old school retirement where you just stop. And one of the things we talked about was, and again, I think it's something that we get caught up in is, well, what if I start something and I don't like it? Or what if one of the things he and I talked about, he liked, he was a handyman. And I said, why don't you get a job at Lowe's? You know, mm-hmm. you can go be around people and you can work with some of the, the tools and help folks with their projects. And he said, well, what if I want to go see my grandkids in Texas? And I said, well, then, I mean, you ask off. And he said, well, what sure. if they won't? What if they won't let me off? I said, then you quit. I mean, that's yeah. what the kids do, right? Is they that's just, right. hey, you, you quit the job at Lowe's. When you come back from seeing the grandkids, you get a job at Home Depot if that's what that's it takes. Correct. Now, I that's honestly. I honestly don't believe a company is going to let go somebody who's got experience, who's got wisdom, who's willing to come in and do just work that they enjoy. Because, frankly, yeah, the companies are getting better team members. I just think that I, you said it well, Jay, when, it, when it's all said and done, it's not about what you used to make. And deep down, for folks who are listening, you have the answer. You have the answer to what it is that makes you happy. Uh, you, you know what that is. I think sometimes it's hard to to really sit back and, and think about how you could get there, but it's definitely possible. I see it all the time. N- not necessarily to go to that place because it's a scary day for a lot of people when they do the old school retirement and they're never going to get a paycheck again. I mean, that's a scary thing and I get that, but that balance of maybe I could find something I like to do for a while that allows me to defer being a consumer, uh, I think, and, and people do, Jay, they, they have the answer. Jay, when you think back the last five years, what would you say has been the best part of your experience? Cool. That's a good question. Best part of my experience, I think, is, I think it's twofold. I think it's, I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of young people in business and been able to help them develop their opportunity, so to speak. Also had an opportunity to to mentor and coach some different younger people today. I think, you know, like I said, being involved and and it doesn't have to be a job. I mean, it can be community service if you if you're if you're able to retire full retirement as the, as you call it or you know fully retired and you want to just do something, go out and volunteer. There are so many organizations in every town in the United States that are just clamoring for retirees to come help, to come and do something to to give them the wisdom, to give them direction, to be able to, you know, maybe you're somebody that can build stuff. Maybe you like to, you know, you're handy or you can fix things or maybe you're good financially. You can help with the books. I mean, there's, you know, charitable organizations don't have a plethora of people in their organization that can do certain jobs. So 
for them to get somebody with that kind of talent, with that kind of expertise, with that kind of wisdom, that's like gold to them. You don't necessarily have to find a job, but if you find a job, find something that you like. You know, when I came here, my wife said, well, what if you don't like it? I said, I'll retire. That's your option. That's the, that's the best thing about retirement. If you don't like it, you say, hey, I don't like it. I'm going to retire again. Or if you don't like it, you go find something else that you like better. You're not tied to it like we were when we were younger and we said, oh, we got to stay in this job because I got a family. And I, you know, most people that retire today, their kids are grown. They're on their own. I mean, yeah, maybe there's a couple of stragglers in the house and you got to throw those guys out. But I'm, I'm saying that facetiously. At the point when you're ready to retire, you know, it's about you then. It's about your lifestyle. It's about what you want to do. It's not about I have to provide for my children. I have to get them through college. I have to get them, you know, I have to help them with their house. I have to, you know, those kids, your kids are grown by now. Normally, normally, unless you started late in life, like some of my friends have. At the end of the day, it's about you. It's about your lifestyle. It's about what you want. It's about what you and your wife or whomever you're with wants. And that's what you have to develop. And that's where you have to go. And that's, that's the thing that we miss when we are in, in a, you know, the crux of our career. And we're just, we're just churning. We're just churning. We're just running. And sometimes it feels like you're running in mud, but we're just running. We're just running hard because we know if we keep running hard, we're going to be successful and we're going to make more money and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, what did I miss in all those years? So that's, you know, my, my advice to people and my, my biggest thing was I missed a lot that I didn't know I missed because I didn't stop and smell the roses. I just kept running. Well, Jay, I, I think that's a great place for us to, uh, to end. I, I think that it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's easy to feel like you have to keep running. If you're listening to this show and that sounds like you, you're in the midst of running or you're trying to figure out what a next step might be, take heed of what Jay said, that you don't have to do it forever and that you can go out and find things that you enjoy doing, that that either it's a volunteer. People need people and we're meant to be in community. And I, I think that it's statistics show that it's good for us to stay active and involved. But it, it's also a lot different going to a job you don't have to go to. There's a lot less stress when you're in a place where you're not in, as Jay would call it, the rat race. And so if you're listening and you're thinking about that, if you're in Florence, you can find Jay at the chamber office or you can definitely email me. I, I think it's worth having a conversation because like Jay said, you know the answer. If I can be of help, uh, shoot me an email at chipmun at signaturewealth.com. And, you know, Jay, I just just want to say thank you. I, I, you did a, a great job. You're doing a great job there at the chamber. I think that, that you've got the perspective right, man, and I think that uh, our listeners will be better for it. So thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Chip. I really do appreciate it. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. We've created a quick guide to help you get started. Go to theretirementremix.com to download the six steps to finding your remix. Or go to signaturewealth.com to learn more about how our financial planners can help you. Subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts or listen at theretirementremix.com.